Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Hey gang, welcome into the A Place for My Head podcast. He is Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry P. Tuck. Hope everybody's having a great week. Brandon, how are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. I actually had a pretty lazy day, so I'm um, R&R. I'm feeling better. I'm feeling good. Resting up. I would say lazy days are a good thing. I, uh, yeah. I've i had an interesting day myself. I, I, I told you uh, before we started recording. Um, we, just people are knowing we're, we're recording this on, on Sunday afternoon. We'll get to uh, our guest here in like 30 quick seconds. But, you know, normally Sundays are, are the lazy day in my world as well. Um, you know, it's, it's the day that my wife and I basically cook chicken wings and watch football. And... Well, one out of two isn't bad. We cooked the chicken wings, made it halfway through the football game, and then figured out, oh, shit, we got our hands on some bad chicken. So I've spent most of the day not watching football and taking care of um, <clears throat> other Business, things. business, business. Yes. I will, I'll tell you, the game was good if you watch the same game that I did. So Don't don't rub it in. Don't rub it okay. in. But our guest doesn't we care. About, our guest oh, doesn't, yes. Yeah, I'll say our guest doesn't care about football and doesn't care that I got my hands on bad chicken. Our guest today is uh, Katya <laughs> Bell. Uh, Katya, thank you for coming in to uh, the A Place for My Head podcast today. That's okay. Thank you for having me. It's so odd, by, by the way, that you say that. The exact same thing happened to me today. I got my hands on bad chicken. I'm not joking. Are you serious? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not even making this up, seriously. Well, I'm, 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 This happens before, often, though. man. Like, what was it the other day when everybody's dog was like, Upset or at the bed or something. Oh, like that. that's yeah. I, re- I remember that. I was going to say that show. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. We we did a show. I don't know a couple months back where all hell broke loose with everybody's dog on the same day. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, everybody's dog just had problems, and I had to, I ended up having to take mine to the event, and it was just a mess. But you know, I, I'm guessing by your accent, we probably didn't get our chicken in the same place. No, no. Yeah. No, not, not this. <laughs> I just got mine from. Tesco. Do you have Tesco where you are? Well, I, I was going to say, if, if people haven't picked up yet, she's talking to us from across the pond over in jolly old England. <laughs> yeah. So I, it's probably a safe bet that we don't have a Tesco over here. What's, what's a Tesco? It's like, it's like the most famous shop in England. So is, it, is it like you go a, and get your food and stuff. So it's like a, a grocery store chain. Yeah. I don't remember any. I've spent a lot of time over there, but then again, I wasn't in grocery stores a whole lot. Now that I think about it, huh. we no, have we, no. we we have Costco. We don't have Tesco. No Tesco. Costco is amazing. Every little helps. That's the motto. Tesco. Every little helps. Or Aldi. Tesco I, or Aldi. I know that one. We that know one that one. Yeah, we've got some yep. of those over here. Yeah, I know that one for sure. Can't go wrong with Aldi. There you go. So, you know, the whole premise of our our podcast, and we kind of got away from it for a little bit, but we're going to go back. You know, we want people to share their stories. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in everybody's story can probably help someone else that's going through something similar. And, and that's something that Brandon and I have really tried to hang our hat on. And, you know, I, I'm pretty proud of the fact that we've done that. And, and I know Katya, you know, Brandon hooked up with you, uh, I believe, through Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah, he yep. sent me a message. Yeah, yep, 
totally had to do the the the, the creeper thing and you know <laughs> like i did i hate it i have a love-hate relationship with social media everybody knows that and sometimes you just have to you have to dig for good interviews and that's what i did so i'm not a creep promise swear 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 <laughs> promise well, you, you slide into strange people's DMs. Uh, I'm just well, saying. damn it. What else am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Please stop thinking about it. Straight up. Like, straight up. <laughs> well, Katya, talk to us a little bit. Um, I, I know... I know your story a little bit as just Brandon and, you know, let's, let's, let's jump right in. Um, you know, what was, what was home life like growing up? What are, what are some of the things that you're dealing with now as a result of, of back then? And, you know, we'll kind of fill in the blanks as we go. Okay. So growing up, my dad had, um, depression. So that was kind of hard to deal with growing up in the sense that he had a bit of, a spiral that he'd go through. So he'd take his medication and then feel fine. And then because he felt fine, would just stop taking his medication. And because of that, that made him have really bad mood swings and home life just wasn't fun, let's say. Yeah, I imagine Um, imagine it was a a vicious cycle just on and off and on and off. And okay. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's tough. That's that's tough. And I guess kind of it's just unpredictable, right? So when you're, you you know, you, you're trying to grow up, you don't really know whether you're going to get one kind of a response or one kind of energy when you go home. And I think when you grow up, that's one of the hardest times because you don't know that things aren't always going to be that way and you don't know how to handle your emotions necessarily. You're still trying to kind of figure that out. So growing up with that it was quite rocky and then at 14 it kind of came to a head I guess I'd fallen out with my first boyfriend and it's sort of you know when you have your first heartbreak you feel like the world's gonna end and you're never ever not gonna feel heartbroken and it was just kind of came to a head in the sense that that was going on and my dad wasn't well at all and I just spiraled into a bit of a hole um and found it quite difficult to get out at that point so i'll say that that situation's tough for anybody of any age let alone 14 yeah yeah that's tough man because i mean everybody's still like we talk about it all the time you're you're one person when you're in your teens and your 20s and your 30s and so on and all that kind of stuff so that's got to be hard to 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 sort of drink in i guess you could say Yeah, especially that you just don't even know who you are, what you want, what you you just don't know yourself enough, really, do you? Yeah, I mean, it's you're trying to figure out life yourself, and then you know, throw in the fact of you know the first heartbreak thing, and everybody goes through that, and you know, it's it's tough enough as it is, but then having to walk on eggshells at home because. Like you said, I, and I can kind of relate to that because, you know, that's... We kinda, all can. Yeah, that's kind of how I grew up. And, you know, you could always sense. It was like this sixth sense of when you walked in the door, you could just yeah. feel it. You could just feel it. You know? That's yeah. Sense. You know, if things yeah. were okay, it was, ah, okay, we're good. But if something even just a little bit was off, you it was just yeah. like hitting you in the face with a frying pan. You just knew. Exactly. So, yeah, oh God, yeah, I can't even imagine, you know, going through all of that, you know, the up and down with 
you know, your dad on uh, on and off the medication. When he was off, did he just stop at cold turkey? Is that what he was doing? Yeah. Oh. So he. Scary. Yeah. As, as far as I can, rem- that's what I gather. I don't know. I just know specifically that. When he was bad, mum would say he's not taking his meds. And when he was good, she would say he is. And the the comment that was made a lot was always, he's not taking his medication again. He's not taking his medication again. So I don't, I would presume that he just did cold turkey. That's mm. that's how it came across to me. Yeah, because well, I, I feel like some people like to use that as, uh, as a joke. Or maybe not a joke, but like yeah, describing someone if they're acting a little off or crazy, so to speak. You know, uh, oh, someone's off their meds, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, so that can easily be taken, taken to heart when you're that age. You know what I mean? So like that sinks in as truth. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That's interesting because I've never thought to kind of look at it like that. Or maybe... I do know that he wouldn't take them. I know he's not on them now, but he's better now. So. I've been around. I've been around a lot of heartless people that say ugly things, so that's why I know all, the, all this fun stuff. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there are so many people that that deal with with depression that, for one reason or another, they they do they just stop taking their medication because yeah, it makes them feel weird. It makes them feel physically yeah. sick. So um, many sides. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah so that's why you know that's why i asked i i wasn't sure if it was like a doctor thing or if it was just something that he was doing or you know what the situation was yeah maybe i mean i think when i've spoken i don't know if i've just like deduced this myself from sort of growing up and then my experiences or that's what i was told by my mum. i just know that she, again she used to say He's not taking his medication again. He's not taking his medication again. And I guess as I've gotten older and gone through my own experience, maybe I've deduced that he just kind of came off them and back on them. But I've had conversations with my dad since just about my own medication and how I'm coping with it. And I know that he did have side effects when he was when he was taken back then. So I don't know, really. I just know it was very turbulent time and his mood was very unpredictable and it was just not nice. Well, you've, re- remember- you've referenced her a time or two. Where was your mom through all of this? How was she handling it? She was, she could, she, she would just be in absolute tears sometimes. He just used to be so, he was just, you know, he was never violent, but he was so aggressive, if that makes any sense. So he'd shout and throw things or you know but he yeah he just wasn't nice he was either the nicest person in the world or an absolute so-and-so sounds sounds like bipolar to me yeah (laughs) but um yeah I remember my mum sort of saying to me and I mean I was quite young at the time that she wanted to leave things like that but she couldn't because of how much she loved him and how he didn't used to be that way and he was just ill. There's a lot going on, you know, reflecting back on it. But yeah, she was there. She was just trying to keep the family together, I think. Right. But wow. I remember writing him a letter once and just begging him to take his medication. And I remember giving it to him and he just kind of like put it down and walked off. So he didn't like even 
I don't know, just didn't even go in. He just kind of didn't acknowledge it. He, he read it and then handed it me back and just kind of walked off. Kind of like a little bit of insight, though. And I've had a conversation with a doctor prior to, um, you know, genetics-wise. Yeah. Early on, like when I had just turned 30, I feel like all, all shit hit the fan with my genetics that came from, you know, my family and stuff like that. And it's just regular things that you should be able to correct on your own. Like yeah. Blood, pre- blood pressure, cholesterol, like all those kind of things, you know, that you need to monitor as you get older and stuff. But I did everything I could uh, food-wise, weight-wise, this-wise. Anyway, it it's just genetics. There's nothing I can do. So I have to take medication no matter what. But, you know, my doctor said this. I'll never forget it. And and I kind of feel like a lot of people get to that point when all these medications just start to add up and stack up on your hand. And when you take them in the morning and stuff like that, and usually you see an 80-year-old that has to open up the pill pill container that says take Tuesday, take Wednesday, take Thursday, you know. Yeah. And you kind of get to a point where you just say, fuck it. Like, just I don't want to yeah. do this. I don't want to take all this shit anymore. I'm tired. I'm tired of keeping up with it. It makes me feel bad every day because I have to look at this and know that this is what's like basically keeping me alive. So yeah. I can sort of relate, you know. Um, and plus, if you don't stay on top of medication like ones that uh, affect your 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 brain and, and mindset and behaviors and all that kind of stuff, if you don't keep on track with that, that can easily you if you don't get out of the what is it the twelve the twelve is it no four six four four to six weeks of it being in your system consistently and getting Mm -hmm. through all the side effects if you will which are kind of awful embarrassing disgusting weight gain anything all that stuff if you can't get past that part then you're always in that part and i can easily see how that would be miserable for someone definitely definitely it's not as you know having been on medication myself and looking back at like what my dad went through I just see it in a completely different light now because I've sort of been there probably not to the same degree as him but especially with medication I think I've been on seven different medications and I've found finally found one that doesn't give me like the worst side effects so Mm -hmm. I understand yeah it's not not nice no it's not nice yeah, no, no doubt. And, and we'll, we'll get into to that part of your story here in a little bit. But, you know, let's, let's go back to, to your teenage years, going through the breakup, you know, dealing with, you know, your first breakup, you know, the, the issues at home. Um, you know, I know personally when, when I went through high school back in the ice age, um, you know, I lost four people to cancer, one each year. And my mom and I took care of each of them at home until they passed. So I, I, on top of having the issues that I referenced before with my father and you know, yeah. the, the tension. So when, when you talk about never knowing what you're walking into, I, I can certainly sympathize with that. And, and I can certainly relate to it because I, I, I've been there. And, you know, it, it makes you grow up fast. Yeah. I just want to say that is so admirable that you kind of nursed your family members through that. I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. I just want to commend you for that. That's that's amazing. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And it was tough. But, you know, when when you're going through it, you don't look at it like that. You know, yes. Yeah, 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 you know, I, I kind of because of the, the family situation, for lack of a better term, in my case, I, I kind of became the man of the house when I was about 12 or 13. And, yeah. you know, you, you take on that mindset and I'm, I'm sure you can relate to that. You just take on the mindset of, well, yeah. you know, you just got to do what you got to do. Yeah. And you put your yeah. shoulder down and, and you plow through it and you don't think about it 
until years later when you take a deep breath and look back and go, holy shit, did I go yeah. really go through all of that? So, yeah, yeah no, I, I and I appreciate the kind words, but I, I can certainly relate to, to where, where yeah. you're coming from. Definitely. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's kind of just blown my mind a bit. I'm sorry. I'm just I think that's amazing. Sorry. Anyway. Um, well, I didn't mean to derail yeah. you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just yeah, I can just appreciate that. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. No. Yeah. But but so, you, you know, you were talking about you know going through the first breakup and and dealing with the yeah. ups and downs with your father, you know, and and the the struggles that that you had, you know, overcoming all of that, you know, at what point did I, I don't know how to word this? At what point did you finally reach the point of okay, something's got to give, and I've got to do what's best for me? So. I'd started self-harming and I actually took an overdose. Mm. Um, How old were you? I was, that was when I was 14. Oh, wow. So things, everything just kind of came to a blow. Um, I took a lot of medication and then um, at that point I was referred to child and adolescent mental health services. And at that point I was put on medication. So, I think I had a few counselling sessions, but I can't really remember much about them. I just kind of know that the medication took the edge off a little bit and I was able to kind of get through and recover a little bit and make it through to kind of the next few years. Um, Home life was still pretty much the same. I was just kind of going through growing up and being a teenager and then the next time I kind of fell was when my exams happened. Um, it was just too much pressure, I think. So I got through my GCSEs fine. And then over here we have A-levels. I don't know what the difference is between here and um, your side of the world. Mm-hmm. But So we have GCSEs and then we have another qualification to get before we would go to university and that's A-levels. And I always knew from growing up because of my dad and seeing his experience that I wanted to work with people with depression um anxiety I wanted to help people and that has been in me for as long as I can remember because of my dad and so when I finished my GCSEs I wanted to go on I wanted to go to university because here you need a degree to be able to do that and go into that line of work and to do a degree you need your A-levels so started the first year of my A-levels and I just could not cope and after the first year I, I dropped out I couldn't cope with it I could barely get out of bed I wasn't brushing my teeth even just normal hygiene I just couldn't do there was just nothing in me that could motivate me to get out of bed and I remember just kind of even, you know, when you sort of start to wake up a little bit and you can either go back to sleep or get up, I remember sort of coming to that bit and just thinking, I just don't want to face the day. And I could right. be in bed for 16, 18 hours. Um, and it got to the point where sort of my partner at the time would literally, if he had like a, a break in his work day, he'd drive home and just physically get me out of bed so that I'd be out of bed. And I think that was the the worst, like worse than when I was, you know, self-harming or 
because I feel at that time that was just desperation for me and I didn't know how to express my emotions when I was you know 14 but at this time it was like I have no function in my life like I just there's nothing I can do and it was like kind of watching all my dreams melt away and everything I wanted to do and I think that was that was when it was like I've got to do something about this because I'm either going to live my life like this and end up probably killing myself or I've got to live a life that I that's worth living but I just didn't know how to get there and I think because of my dad and how I just thought genuinely that if you had depression, depression was an illness that said you can't be happy. Here's some medication so you don't necessarily feel sad all the time. But I just never thought there was a way that you could be actually experienced like proper happiness or I just thought that you'd kind of just be neutral. Does that make sense? Because that's the only way I'd I'd felt really. You were numb. I didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Numb. And I just thought that's what life was and there's no other way if you if you have that illness. So this was the first kind of point where I'd hit my rock bottom and I was like, right, well, I've got to do something about this because I don't want to live a life that's just numb and has no function and I've got all these dreams that I want to do. How the hell am I even supposed to get there if this and that and all these thoughts were going through my head? And um, so I think I was just Googling what to do about it, basically. And a book came up, self-help book. And I don't think you guys have heard of her over there. But over here, there's a really famous case of a girl called Katie Piper. She was um, raped by one of her, one of her boyfriends and mm. had acid thrown in her face. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this book was about how she repaired herself from that mentally with her depression, her sort of agoraphobia, everything under the sun. And I remember reading this book and thinking she must have have felt even a little, well, she must have felt 10 times worse than I'm feeling, basically, and times 10 and have more reason to. And if she can get through that, then I can definitely get through this. Well, I under I, I understand that mindset on the surface, but you know, don't minimize what you went through either. Um, yeah. You know, because everybody goes through things differently, and you know, so I mean, obviously, you know, Miss Piper went through a horrible, horrible. I don't want to say incident, but situation, but you know, incident and situation. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, don't minimize what you went through either. But yeah. I want to. I do want to bring up something you said about what she went through, and you said agoraphobia, right? I don't think a lot of people that listen to the show might not know the definition of that and what that really is. Because when my anxiety problems were going down, I remember reading very distinctly the label, and it said anxiety, uh, panic attack, something, something without agoraphobia or whatever agoraphobia. And I had to look into it to see what it was. And from what I understand, it's the fear of very large buildings and places and environment. Like, say, yeah. you walk into um, a stadium, uh, you know, like a, a big concert venue that's really big, like a gymnasium type size big, like a forum where a professional team plays and stuff like that. And you walk in and literally feel like 
I want to say you feel claustrophobic in a gigantic place. Well, I just, I just, I just happen to have the Google machine up in front of me, and uh, oh, do you? uh, uh, Look at me, Mr. Radio Guy. (laughs) I'm like a Boy Scout. I always come prepared. Uh, Agoraphobia, according to Healthline.com. Uh, it is an, an anxiety disorder that makes people very fearful of certain places and situations. So there's your official yeah. definition. So please, I didn't mean to cut you off, but the Google machine no, no. was yelling at me. No, 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 no. <laughs> and, but, and, and I want to emphasize, don't just go to Google for everything because you could have a bubble in the left side of your stomach and you can't get it out. And the next thing you know, it says you have cancer and you just don't need to stress yourself that much. No, no, that was, that, that, was just, that, that bubble was just the bad chicken from earlier. I'm good. I, I got you. All right. Cool. 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 Just want to say that don't let Google diagnose, diagnose how you're feeling currently. It could just be heartburner and suggestion. You're having a heart attack. I say, Kati, you can tell we're very, very. Very professional on this podcast. Um, I'm sure you're getting that vibe. <laughs> Defo, don't worry, guys. I've got a bubble there too from my chicken. So. <laughs> that we obviously got in the same. Pl- Anyways, um, <laughs> the, uh, I want to go. I want to go back to the the self harming thing. What? Uh, because I, I think that's something that a lot of people deal with. That mm-hmm. is kind of, and, and I don't know how it is over there, but. You know, over here in the states, it's kind of a taboo subject, and, and I truthfully, I, I don't think it's talked about enough because you, you hear stories of people cutting and and, and things like yeah. that, and you know, I, I think it's probably a little more common than most people realize. In in, yeah. your, in your in your situation, do you think? And, and I don't know, you you didn't really elaborate on it, and you don't have to if you don't want to. In, in in your situation, though, do you think it was more of a control thing where it was something that you could control? And that was the only thing that you really had control of when you were going through it? Or, you know, what, what kind of led you to, to, to that? I think I purely just did not know how to control my emotions. And it was just an, an outlet of just kind of, I was feeling all this chaos inside of me and this pain and I needed to see sounds ridiculous, but sort of see it and feel it physically because I just couldn't make sense of it at all. Yeah. That's not, and that's not ridiculous at all. Cause I've heard other people say the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. They just want to feel something different than what they're feeling at the moment. Right. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it kind of, it kind of goes back to, to the, what we were talking about being numb, you know, you didn't feel anything and that's what helped you feel. Exactly. Just, I exactly. Mean, just, is, is that is that a good way to put it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, think- I, I don't, I just, I, I, I think it's a bigger issue than people realize, and and you yeah. know, I, I respect the hell out of you for opening up about it. So please, I, I didn't mean to to cut you off there. Continue. No, no, it's okay. I think that you know, a lot of the time people, people will do it. Um, they might hide it. I mean, and you ask the question, is it sort of more taboo over here? And the answer is, I'm not sure, but I see a lot of it because I work in this, that sort of, um, industry now. So I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner. So I treat people who has, who have depression and anxiety. So I see it sort of daily, so it is big over here, but whether it's spoken about, I'm not sure. I know that when I was at school, I was able to kind of, I think my teacher noticed it and I was able to talk about it. I didn't feel that, I mean, I didn't go around telling everybody, but I didn't feel that I couldn't go to 
you know, my teachers for support if I needed it. We had sort of a school counsellor, things like that. But it is, it's something that's really hard to understand if you've not ever had depression or you've never handled it that way, I guess. It's, it's not something that people can get their head around. At least your teachers cared and saw something and, and noticed it and did something yeah. about it. I mean, I, I went to school during my troubled times and I would be high as shit on all kinds of crazy stuff. And they didn't notice anything. So I didn't get any kind of special attention or help. So good for good for that side of the pond. Not this one. Just saying. Just throw that out there. Yeah, it was, it, it's yeah. it's funny yeah. you talk about teachers and, and they notice things because when uh, when I was growing up going through all of that mess, I was always the kid that, that everybody said, oh, well, you're just an old soul. You know, I, I yeah. we always joked, oh, well, you're 13 going on 30. Oh, well, you're yeah. you know, 15 or 16 going on 40. And, you know, I, true story. I was the guy after my high school graduation that there were more of my teachers at my high school graduation party than there were kids my own age. You know, and, and yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. And that's just how I was. And, and to this day. You know, all of my friends, all of my really good friends are normally, you know, 10 or 15 years older than me. And that's just just how it was. We we joke when we were younger that, you know, before I turned 21 and, and could drink that, you know, we'd all hang out at the bar and, and they drink their beer and I drink my milk out of a dirty glass because I was a badass, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I, I, people that go through stuff and experience things like like you've gone through and Brandon's gone through and I've gone through. You know, that that old soul thing is a real, real deal thing. And, and you know, you connect better with teachers or yeah. people that are older and, you know, mentors, you know, whether it's you played people sports. on your level. Yeah. You know, whether you played sports and it was a coach, you, you just click better with people like that. And, you know, I've, I've talked about it, you know, at, at length on this podcast that I've always had an issue of feeling like I didn't belong. And and I think that kind of goes right along in, in it's kind of in the same vein as, as what we're talking about. And, yeah. you know, it's it, it's a blessing and a curse all at the same time, because it's good in the fact that you look at things differently because of how you've experienced it. But it's bad because it can easily hold you back and, and you know, jack up your future because you don't think you're good enough or you don't think you deserve it or you don't think you belong. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? You have to do so much soul searching and kind of figuring all that out um definitely and I definitely um feel what you're saying about always feeling old before your time things like that I was exactly the same the the time that I was talking about right now I was 17 I'd already moved out my friends were sort of 30 odd you just I feel like you have to grow up so quickly to deal with the things that you're dealing with and you outgrow the people around you. So as you said, you, you do kind of feel like you don't, don't belong and it is it's a it's a bit of a whirlwind. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, it, it's it, it makes things very awkward because it, it also, you know, makes you very uh, for lack of a better term, socially inept because Again, you you have those self doubts and you have those feelings of not belonging. And you know, again, as as you get older and you progress through that, and you know, your physical age catches up to your your old yeah. soul mental age. You know, it, it's almost 
for lack of a better term, you know, it's almost like it's an internal conflict of, okay, which one am I? And, you know, I've I've joked before because I spent 20 plus years in radio here in the States. And, you know, I've said before, it's almost like living a double personality, a double life, because when you're on the air, when you're on the air, it's like people have this big, you know, perception of, oh, you're this big, outgoing, outspoken you know, larger than life personality. When in reality, I was the exact opposite. And and, yeah. I, and, and you know, it, it kind of goes along with what we're talking about now about being an old soul and this and that and the other. Because, you know, like I said, you you, you develop this internal conflict of okay, well, this is how old I really am, but this is how I feel, and this is how I've always acted, and this is what people perceive, and blah 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 blah, and so on and so on. Yeah, it's tiring. It's exhausting because it's That's a constant battle. Definitely. And you're constantly aware of it and just trying to equalize it. It's really hard. And it's so I feel like I was thinking about this just the other day and trying to make sense of it. And I feel like you've literally just ironed it out. It's so strange that you kind of unpacked it in that way. But I definitely resonate with that. Well, I, I, I again, uh, you know, I like I said from from my experience, I, I just tend to look at things a little differently, and you know, I'm one of those people that I can I can take a step back, and I, I'm blessed in this this regard because I, I'm pretty good at being able to take a step back and looking at situations from every angle possible. And, yeah, you know, in I think you and I are both like that in a sense when it comes to challenging situations when needing to develop a solution for whatever the fuck is going on, whether it be work, family or friends or whatever the case may be. We have that innate ability, I feel like, to kind of step back and be like, OK, okay. oh, yeah, no doubt. And, this side? What's this side? What's this side? What's that side? Yeah, What's this side? yeah no doubt. <laughs> and like I said, that that I, I firmly believe that comes from our life experience and how we've gone through things. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, yeah. without a doubt. So, yeah. So let's let's you know let's let's continue here. You know, you said you'd kind of hit you know, rock bottom for lack of a better term at, at seventeen. You know, yeah. you were talking about the the horrible depression, not being able to get out of bed. And I've known people that were like that too. I've I've gone through phases like that myself. And I know, Brandon, you've talked before about going through similar type stuff. You know, on your end. You know, mm-hmm. you started to get into the book by Katie Piper, the the book you know, yeah. titled Things Get Better. So um, yeah. let, let's talk a little bit about that. You said that she had gone through a horrible situation. I can't even I I, I, I can't even put to words what, she, you know, I think she may have gone through because that's such a hellacious and horrific yeah. situation, you know, being raped and uh, just uh, I, I, yeah. I can't even say it. I. But. She's such an she's an inspiration, honestly. She is my inspiration. I've been to, she did um, a live tour talking about um, basically all of the self help that she kind of went through, and I went to that and I was like in awe of her. I just think she's amazing. But yeah, I guess I just hadn't, apart from my dad, I hadn't really been in a position to speak to somebody that had been through the same thing or could kind of grasp where I was coming from to help me out of it and that was the only thing that it was the first time although our experiences were completely different I just knew she definitely would have felt depression she definitely would have felt anxious so if she's gotten through it then I can get through it because in even though our situations were different she must have felt some degree of what I'm feeling right now of course, if that makes sense. And that was the first time I kind of felt 
in a weird disjointed way like I related to someone else or could well just felt inspired really and it kind of just opened my eyes up to the fact that there are things that you can do you don't have to be trapped by this depression there there are things that you can do to help yourself but I think it is one hell of a journey I don't think it's as simple as I first thought it was going to be reading that book that when I look back but words words can really change you so what was her um uh what was her pet before this terrible stuff happened to her what was her profession or what was she famous for yeah, she was a model and TV presenter. That's what I thought you were going to say. So we yeah. we've had a guest before that 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 was her. You know, <laughs> money maker makes it sound stupid, but that was her profession, right? That was what that was what brought home her income and livelihood. Mm-hmm. And she had uh, she had been attacked and you know had cuts and a bloody face and all these different things that happened to her uh when she was uh when she was mugged and and you put yourself in that person's shoes when the next day they probably had something to do with it was uh photo related video related bikini related you know depending on what type of modeling you're into and stuff like that in an instant in an instant someone took their profession and completely just squashed it you know, and stomped a mud hole in it on the ground. And yeah. how, how do you, how that, the, 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 the tra- like how you get over that and how you overcome that type of high adversity deserves so much respect. I mean, for the people that got through it and didn't, didn't, didn't just like in their life because they're like, it's over. Like this is, there's nothing I can do now. My, 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 my professional life is ruined. I can't make any money anymore because this was this your, my body was what was doing it for me. And, 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 yeah. and all of this as an artist, as a model, as a, you know, whatever the case may be, someone came in and ruined that for that person. But when you overcome adversity like that, I truly, you have to come out as a better person and exactly. you have to come out as like, you're like, Hey man, like I totally kicked his or her ass, whoever beat me up or did yeah. whatever to me, and I'm st- no no one stopped me in that aspect. And I feel like that's a it's a similar story in her case, um, which I don't know very well, but I can definitely relate it to things that we've talked about on this show and people that I know personally in my right. life that have been through certain things like that. So um, whether you, it doesn't matter that. In, in the sense that you think that she had to have gone something, gone through something like like you, like you're right it, at a higher level, it it yeah. doesn't need to be specific. You just know that there were challenges, and 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 people uh, don't get this green card in the mail or the you know the money card in the mail when they're when they're famous and successful and they're wealthy and stuff. That doesn't mean they're okay. Uh, they still have the same challenges that all human beings have. And to identify with those kind of things and realize that and get in touch with that and really see that through people, uh, it's it's kind of a really beautiful thing to 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 see and connect. And if it helps you in the long run, it's it just makes it so much better, right? So exactly, I get it. I totally get it. So yeah, she she really inspired me, and it just kind of sparked this kind of belief in myself for probably the first time that I can properly remember that I could sort of get through that. And I did, I I just started setting myself little goals. So 
whether it be okay today I'm gonna get out of bed and when it, it didn't have to be a goal anymore and it just became like okay I'm getting out of bed then I'd kind of move on to brushing my teeth and the tiniest things like making sure I've eaten breakfast and tidying up after myself getting on top of chores again like that slowly literally I, I just kind of built myself up and tried to stick to those goals and if I didn't then that's fine I'd just try again the next day um and I got myself back up to a place where I could go back to work because after I dropped out of college I had a part-time job as a cleaner as well which I also had to just kind of leave for a few months because I was just ill um so I, I managed to get back there and I went back to college to sit the second half of my A-levels and I didn't get what I was predicted. So I was supposed to do a lot better than I did, but I still passed and I still got into uni, which is, in my opinion, amazing because I feel like at one point I I wasn't even going to be able to go back in my head. So that was helpful and I have to say again the school were just so supportive and I feel like I was very lucky in that sense that I had people and teachers I could speak to and who understood in some kind of a way that was great um and then I got into the uni that I wanted to and the same thing happened it got to after my first semester I just completely collapsed again I couldn't I couldn't cope with the pressure of it and again same sort of thing happened I had really bad depressive symptoms couldn't get out of bed at at this stage I'd actually moved back home because my partner and I split up but my dad was a lot better. My dad had kind of come through things at this by this point. So what's what's the timeline on this part of it? Like your age? So at this point, I think I was either I think I was eighteen or nineteen. I think I'm probably like eighteen and a half. So I would have. I think I was nineteen. It was about two years after. Okay, but around that, I right, just wanted to know the timeline. Yeah. So. 19 I dropped out of uni I went back home and I to be honest I just gave up I just thought I'm not going to be able to get my degree I can't cope with the pressure of it I was too in my head it was it was like if I don't get a certain mark then I'm a failure and there's no point trying and I just had no motivation and I was missing lectures I just didn't I just couldn't do it I remember going to exams. Was it a case of dealing with the pressure or at that point in your life, after everything that had gone on, were you just mentally exhausted? I think both, to be honest. I think both. I think it was just like... I mean, you're you're at such a young age to go through this stuff that... And, you know, I, I, again, you know, speaking from experience, I, when I started college and, you know... I, I went through the same thing where I would stop and start and I, it was yeah. just, it, it was exhausting. And in, in my case, I was just mentally fried. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It's just, it's so much as well that you're right. It is just too much. I think the people underestimate how difficult it is as well. Education when you, when you're trying to just live your life and like have a normal well-being 
on top of that, it is difficult and it's not something that I miss. <laughs> well, yeah, no, absolutely. Because it's okay. I'm in school. It's hard as hell. I'm exhausted and I'm constantly in survival mode. Yeah. Exactly. You know, it's the whole fight or flight syndrome. You know, it, it's the same thing. And, you know, I, I can totally, totally, totally relate to your story. I, I'm, you and I are totally on the same page here. I, I, yeah. I, I, I totally, I, I'm with you 10,000%. I understand completely. Yeah. I've been explained the fight or flight uh, theory many times by different individuals. And I, and I, and I find that depending on the, personality or i guess like whatever their like personality type is in like the workplace or wherever whether they're like really dominant or direct and all that kind of stuff the fight or flight kind of varies between how people explain it and stuff like that and uh, i feel like every dominant person or someone that's really direct like talks about fight or flight when it's always about conflict it's like always about really severe conflict and that person's fight or flight and then they're like if they're this type of personality which you almost want to say that they're calling that this little person a pussy they're automatically gonna flight they're, they're flight they're out of there they want nothing to do with it when it's like me like i i, I personally think i'm in maybe that category of personality and how i uh and how i treat people and how i handle certain situations but i will fight or flight i don't know so yeah, I, don't I think i think you have i think i've read and you've had you have a certain uh, not only just opinion on it but i think a more educated opinion on it that i think everybody would benefit from hearing in terms of, fight, of what fight or flight is. Right. Yeah. So from what I understand of, of fight or flight is it originates from when we were way back in the caveman days and we would have to protect our young and hunt for, for our food. So Well, we're guys, we so I, I think it would be safe to say that most women think we're cavemen. So Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that was like not back in the day. That's current. Yeah. Very current. <laughs> okay. So... Back in the day, present day, whatever. If you're still hunting for your food, you've probably still got it. <laughs> I personally, you guys had bad chicken today, but the chicken I had, I beat the shit of at the grocery store. And man, <laughs> I got that and I, I'm fine. I am fine. I've had a great day of chicken. I, I, now have the, I, I now have the visual of Brandon Thompson running around his kitchen, chasing a chicken, plucking Me feathers. Too. Wow. Kind of saw him in a grocery store punching a chicken carcass. That was that's what I said. I, I blamed it on COVID. Everybody's looking at me like, "What's your problem?" I'm like, "We're all in this together, people. <laughs> don't look at me. God, gotcha. don't look at me." Sorry. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to just just derail you. We're cavemen. We suck. We yes. have ADD. Yeah. You were saying <laughs> squirrel. Yeah. God. Right. So yeah, cavemen. <laughs> Well, I've got to, you know, the, the whole the whole fight or flight thing, um, you know, I and I, I don't know if you deal with some of the same issues or not, but I know I, I personally deal with some autoimmune issues that have kind of developed over the years, one of which is dealing with, you know, your adrenal system, cortisol, uh, which obviously cortisol, you know, that leads into the whole um adrenaline situation and you know that that's big on the whole fight or flight thing and uh you know at one point you know my cortisol levels were so low because my my body was just so physically exhausted that my cortisol levels didn't even register on the tests that they gave 
And, you know, my, kind of habituated. Right, 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 right. And my doctor who at the time, you know, God bless him. He was is a drinking buddy of mine to this day. He just kind of looked at me and laughed. He goes, I don't even know how you're upright because, you know, cortisol your, is, is vitally. Your, doc, your, your doctor is your drinking buddy. Oh, yeah. My, my, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's great. Cool, I, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I, I, dude, I, I I hate doctors. But when he's your drinking buddy, it's all good. That's cool. Um, <laughs> cool. Like you could go do tests the next day if you had a doctor's appointment. He's like, "Well, you know, you're this. You were with me last night, man. You know what you did. Well, we had chicken wings and beer, and, and, they were, and they were good chicken wings, not bad chicken, like we've talked about incessantly <laughs> like on this today. podcast. Um, yeah, when you're at the bar and he whips out the glove and sticks out a finger, you don't want. Anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's not a good. F- anyway, I'm not going there. Um, I can go into that further and be like, "Don't be surprised, man. You were with me." That's right. Just look at him and go. That's not this kind of bar. Knock it off. Um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I mean, uh, you know, my my cortisol levels were so low that they literally didn't register. And you know, we were talking, and, and he knew, uh, you know, my past and what had gone on. He goes, "I think your body's just exhausted because it doesn't know when to turn that off anymore." And, you know, I, and again, I, you know, everybody's different. I don't know if that's, you know, something you deal with or not, but, you know, people don't realize the effect of stress and pressure and, you know, that, that survival instinct, just the toll it takes on your body, not only emotionally, but physically as well. Yeah. It's intense. It's intense, especially if you're, because people think of fight or flight as well in the, it's only when you're having a panic attack, if that makes sense. So people think, you know, it's having a panic attack in fight or flight, but actually whenever you're feeling anxious, whether it be at the peak of fight or flight or not, that is, that is working. It's that cortisol that you're talking about because of that adrenaline response. So you're going to have, as you've just said, you could have a bad stomach, sweating, heart palpitations, dizziness, muscle tension a, a massive array of things that you probably just bat off to just day-to-day life but it's actually anxiety it has a massive toll on you a huge toll and I think what you what you're saying and that you probably were your your body was just probably absolutely sick to death of that have you been like do you get quite susceptible to illness as well or have you been okay yeah yeah no definitely and you know it's taken quite a few years because you know in 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 my situation you know it would be like okay well i have this symptom and we treat that symptom and be like okay i'm good and then something else would pop up yeah and it would be something weird and it's like well okay well that i don't see how that fits into that but Okay, we'll take care of that. And then something else would pop up. It was yeah. it was a vicious cycle. And then all of a sudden, it, it took... And I swear to God, I literally went through probably 13 or 14 specialists before yeah. they finally started putting the puzzle pieces together. And, you know, they ultimately ended up diagnosing me with Hashimoto's disease, which is an autoimmune disease where basically your immune system turns on your thyroid. And, you know, when when that happens, you know, as you know, being in the medical profession, your thyroid regulates so many things in your body. Yeah. You know, that's why, you know, we take care of one symptom and something else weird would pop up. And it was like it it was it was just the thyroid, my thyroid's reaction to what was going on. And, you know, you pair that with the adrenal issues that I had because of everything that had gone on already. Yeah. 
you know, I, I went through a really bad medical experience back in, in 07 that almost killed me. And my doctors at the time literally said yeah, it was a it was a malpractice situation. And I, I had a doctor screw something up. And I've, I've talked about it openly on, on a prior episode, so I don't want to repeat myself. But, um, okay. you know, the, the, the doctor that ultimately saved my life just looked at me and said, you don't understand the damage your body's gone through. This doctor that caused this literally set off a time bomb in your body. Oh, no. And, you know, when you, I didn't think about it until he put it in that in that way. But when you yeah. consider, yeah, when you consider everything that had gone on in my world before that, you know, the, the way I grew up, the stress of all of that, you know, the autoimmune issues that were there that I didn't even know existed, you know, and then you have something like that. It, it's it's the perfect storm and all hell broke loose. Yeah. You know, so. So, yeah, when, to make a, a short story really long uh to answer your question yeah i, I have dealt with with stuff like that and physical things off and on forever yeah. and i always will because of the autoimmune thing and yeah. you know as my my specialist explained to me you know the autoimmune thing was triggered by something traumatic and i'm like well shit that could have been anything in my world <laughs> I, I was yeah. like I, I literally jokingly looked at him and said do you want an alphabetical list or a numerical list because we could do this all damn day <laughs> So yeah, I can uh, I I totally relate to what you know what you're talking about and the the fight or flight and the you know all of that it, it just it resonates with me because I've I've lived it. Yeah, it's intense. It's really intense, and yeah, I feel like people don't understand the physical, as you've mentioned, sort of trauma that it can have on your body and on your health. You're so much more susceptible to illness, things like that. But then what I would say is. What is weird is the symptoms themselves can't harm you. So if you are having a panic attack, know that you're not going to die from it, just if anybody's right. listening and thinking that. So those symptoms that you are having in that in that moment, that those heart palpitations, um, feeling heart sweaty, dizzy, all of that, you're they can't physically harm you. The only thing is that prolonged stress and cortisol can harm your immune system going forward. So you are more susceptible to illness if that makes sense yeah very much so yeah. and and unless yeah. unless you know somebody's lived it you know i can't tell you how many times i've been told it's in my head and i'm a hypochondriac and this and that and the other it's like no it's 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 real it's yeah. it's there but yeah. but you know unless somebody's gone through it you know they it, it, there's no way for anybody to understand Exactly. Exactly. But 100%. Yeah. But, you know, that's why I, I was curious why I brought it up was, you know, just based on your story and, and some of the stuff you were talking about, you know, I, I, I was just curious if, if you kind of dealt with the same autoimmune things because I've kind of found that, you know, traumatic events and things like that, you know, kind of lend themselves to to issues like that long term. So that's ultimately yeah. why I brought it up again, to make a short story really long. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that's why, yeah. that's why I, I, I brought it up. But, but anyways, the, you know, you were talking about Katie Piper's book, you know, things get better. Um, and I urge everyone to go check it out. Now that I've, I've heard about it, I'm definitely going to go check it out as, as well. Uh, it sounds like an incredible story and, you know, certainly one that, help turn your life around. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, after reading that book and connecting with her on, on the level that you did, you know, what was the first step you took to, to kind of write the ship for lack of a better term? 
Yeah. So as I said, I just kind of set myself little goals every day. She did talk a lot about different kinds of therapy. So cognitive behavioral therapy, she talked about setting yourself goals every day. And that was the first thing I kind of did to get myself through that. Um, And then just reading other self-help books as well. So Again, after that, I did I did kind of lapse again quite hard. I went to uni, dropped out again. And I think that year I just kind of gave up on my big dreams. I just kind of just wanted myself to just not have any pressure and just live life a little bit without having 10 million things going on. So I kind of just got a part-time job that went full-time. I worked in logistics and then because I had sort of a daily routine as well that was more structured. I mean, I guess with school, there's more, you have to go home and you've got to do things like homework and stuff. And it just took over too much. Whereas at work, I would go, have a routine, come home. And I think that really helped me because I didn't have to take anything home. I could unwind when I came back, but I had structure and routine in my day. So I think that was really helpful. And eventually, after about a year of doing that, and I did some CBT alongside that as well, I was offered a promotion by them. Um, And I just remember thinking, well, if I can do something, do well in something that I don't care about necessarily, then I can do something that I do care about and I'm passionate about. So I literally, that day, was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to take the promotion. I'm actually going to leave. I'm going to go back to uni. Um, I rang my old uni. They wouldn't take me back because obviously I dropped out. So I went to one that wasn't as posh or prestige or whatever. But I think it's the best uni in the world because they gave me so much support. Um, and I graduated last year. So I did quite well. And now I'm in my dream job, helping people who have been through what I went through and what my dad went through. And it's just the best thing in my life. Honestly, nothing brings me more joy. I think that depression will always be something that I'll deal with and I'll have peaks and troughs. And I think that's normal. And I think that every single time you fall, you learn something new about how to get up and you learn something new about yourself. And there'll probably be 10 times more that times that I'll fall in my life, but there'll be learning experiences and there'll be ways that I can use to help other people get through it as well. And I think that that's something that is helpful for people to know in the sense that it's not something that can easily be solved, but it's something that can be managed and be made a hell of a lot easier but it isn't something that you can just switch and change overnight you can't just go for one course of therapy and you're going to be fine it's it's a it's a journey and it's so you learn techniques and you have to kind of leave your therapy and it's like when you do your driving so your instructor will teach you how to drive but the real test is when you go and drive on your own and that's life and just implementing those things and managing your mood and learning your triggers and it's it's a journey is what I would say but it's a, a journey that's worth it I think I mean that's that's adversity too that it's that it's you know <laughs> pure definition right um you have to 
you're only going to learn and better yourself when you do take that journey. Right. So I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I totally understand that, man. Absolutely. How are things yeah. with you and your parents now? I literally love my dad so much. And my, I've always loved my mom. I've, I'm not, I've always loved my dad. Just didn't like him very much at the time, but he's, he's a lot, be- a lot better now. And we have a great relationship. I think, I resented him for a lot when I was growing up. And then when I moved out, it was kind of gave us that space to kind of recover because we weren't under the same roof. It gave me that space to forgive him for that. And he worked on himself and I came home and we were okay. So thank God he's, he's doing a lot better. He's amazing to hear. Yeah, he's managed to sort himself out. He still has bad days sometimes, but that's that's normal. And mm-hmm. don't we all? I guess. Yeah, we yeah. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't. All the medication in the world can try to prevent panic attacks, anxiety stuff, and all those other kind of different situations. But at the end of the day, we're still human, and we're still going to have to deal with the problems, even though they're kind of subsided a little bit. Uh, yeah. They're gonna happen. So uh, well, and it, yeah. it also, as we've talked about, you know, no matter how much you want somebody to change, until they're ready to change themselves, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can you can push and push and push, but until that person and, is is ready man, it, to you know make it, that it, change. If if medication is a big part of that change, and it's it like you're saying, if it's hard to not ha- not in your mind be be totally committed to that change knowing that the medication is a big part of it uh, that that that's a that's a messy recipe right um so i, I mean i feel for those people but well and I also, also you know also when when you said when you bring up medication it's also tricky because now you're talking body chemistry too yeah of course of course of course the in, in all of it i mean the chemical imbalance i mean to be completely you know <laughs> pragmatic about it it's like it, it it it's a it's it's a it's a challenge man like it's a long road it's not a, it's not a i wake up tomorrow i have a headache i took some advil or yeah. ibuprofen or something and the headache went away so i'm cool so i'm not going to be an asshole to everybody or i wake up in the morning and i want my coffee and some people are really like that I, it's not i'm i'm not i'm not even really joking about that like some people have to have their cup of coffee yeah. before they even like look or speak or make eye contact or anything with people before they want to just punch them in the face um <laughs> and I, you know, I kind of get that. Um, it, that's a little extreme for coffee, but at the same time, like it's that adjustment, you know. And and yeah. and this medication that we're talking about right now, and these type of conditions, and uh, I mean, and I mean, medical conditions that are, this is not this is not taboo, and this is not stupidness or or debatable. The, these are diseases that uh, humans deal with. So it's a longer road than just uh, a quick fix, like uh, a headache. So uh, we have to respect that. And when we're around those people, I talk about a personalities all the time. You have to sort of respect the a type personality, people that you work with, surround yourself with loved ones and all that kind of stuff. And if you're able to, and you're the healthy individual on the other end that realizes uh, your challenge with an a type personality or some type of imbalance in front of you, you have to not necessarily have to, but if you have, if you have it in you to maneuver around and sort of 
uh, adjust to the ticks to that person and what's going through their mind and their day, uh, it only makes it better not only for yourself but for them too because you know how to let them go uh, in a situation or let them go do something else or appease them in a way that you know that you can fix on the back on the backside. Um, so it just takes a certain caliber of person to get through all these challenges in life. And it's, it's super overwhelming. It's super exhausting. It can drain any person on this planet. Um, but people that are willing to go through the challenges and the adversity of all that kind of stuff, man, I commit, I commend you. And I've done it. Jerry, you've done it. It sounds like, you know, all of us have done it at this point. So, you know, it's just kind of we're used to it because we've gone through it. But uh, but other people are having problems with that. And anybody listening to that, I mean, just 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 feel it in yourself. Like if you can do it, do it. And like if you if you do it, it feels really good to see that other side be OK, walk away. And then you can handle some stuff on your own on the, on, on the other end. So, I, yeah, I feel like the growth that you go through when you have to face these things it's enlightening that's the only way I can describe it I feel like you become a different level of yourself and yeah yeah as hard as it is as horrible as it is to go through you'll never learn more about yourself than going through these things and coming through it and the feeling of being able to say that you've come through it and help other people go through that is a gift and a lot of us are, are going through it at the same time that we're trying yeah. to help people, right? Exactly. So yeah, that, that makes it even harder. <laughs> yeah, so. definitely. Well, and throw in, you know, if you're going through it, you know, as we speak, throw in the whole pandemic situation, which isn't helping situation, you know, helping things either. You know, it's it's just so hard. You, you mentioned before that you had been on multiple medications. How many medications were you on until you found the one that really clicked? seven so my seventh one it took so long because the brain fog the nausea the stomach issues that the list of symptoms I could tell you there's there's, there was just so many but once I found one that kind of stuck I think that was when I was around 18 and bear in mind, I started taking medication at 14 and I've been on the one that I'm on now since I was 18 and I'm 25 now. Are you comfortable talking about those medications and the names? Because oh, I yeah. can go I, I can go round and round. I'm just saying yeah. like, like um, <laughs> symptoms and feelings and what happened and, you know, disgusting stuff, whatever and what works. And now what I'm on, like we, you know, we make fun of it, but it really is. It takes it takes it's like a trial and error thing. And yeah. And then when emergencies happen and be like, I'm on the wrong thing because I'm about to like, like, you know, like yeah. punch my, rip my steering wheel off or something like whatever. Um, but it's a cock. It's a certain cocktail, a mixed cocktail of things that really like balance you out. And it's different for each person. So, I mean, yeah. I share mine all the time. Um, but if, if, if you would like to talk about those certain things, because it, it matters because the side effects of medication are sometimes so severe, um, not just taking it, but when people get frustrated and they stop taking them, like yeah, you experience as a, as, a, as a young 
you know, 14 year old and stuff like that. Right. And that's when suicidal tend to, you know, ideations and things of that nature start to, to show themselves and that, that ugly face starts to happen or appear, if you will. And, uh, I like to be very transparent with my experiences with, um, all the medications that I had to go through and how I reacted to them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and where I landed, I mean, I, I am, I, I say it all the time, but I should, I should reach out to Zoloft and have them sponsor me so I can, so I can yeah. you know what I mean? So I can, I can push, I can push what, what's good about them and also talk about the bad things that I went through, but I fixed all of the bad things. So, um, just I'm out of curiosity, uh, and, and, and for the, the, uh, you know, lack of transparency for the people that listen to the show that connect to our stories, if you wouldn't mind, I'd, I'd love to hear your journey so, on medication. I'm on Zo- Zo- Zoloft as well. That's the one that agreed with me. There you go. Um, Told you. Yeah. <laughs> I had to just double check it because here we call it sertraline. So, so that's a generic um, name for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I thought it was Zoloft. So I just gone to the old Google. Um, Again with the Google. Again yeah. with the Google. God bless the Google machine. God bless the Google machine. God bless it. I can't <laughs> remember specifically what previous medications cause what or all of the names, but I know that I've been on so Telepram, Fluoxetine. Oh, God, there's so many of them. Telepram's flu- Fluoxetine. I've had Diazepam, but that's not really a regular antidepressant that was just as and when propranolol as well beta blockers i can't remember the names of the other antidepressants just because but, but, so- the, but the experience like okay so like all those different things right like it doesn't you know you have the antidepressant medications and then you have the benzos right did you go into, yeah. through any of those so so diazepam do you mean so benzo family be- being like um, the ones that are uh, there, like you have Xanax, you have Klonopin, Lorazepam, those type of those type oh, of drugs. Oh right, yeah, I've had Lorazepam, okay, Diazepam as well. Uh-huh. They just kind of knock you off your feet. I feel like they just literally sent me to sleep. Like I could not function on those. Right. Metazapine as well metazapine was ridiculous that that could send me to sleep for days and that Mm -hmm. was an antidepressant Mm -hmm. just experiences like that the stomach problems i'd have were horrendous acid reflux from them feeling sick the brain fog as well brain Mm -hmm. fog awful memory loss Mm -hmm. i mean there'd be times there'd be times that uh i was because i had to take and, and I've, I've gotten into this discussion before uh, my primary physician, you know, that you go to get like checkups and, you know, uh, I, hey, I have a I have the flu. Can you give me something or a Z-Pack or whatever? Anyway, um, he started prescribing me lorazepam and I was taking like anywhere from six milligrams to eight milligrams a day. And it wasn't doing anything for me. And when I finally got to a specialist, they were like, that's way too much. So they switched it over and they gave me Klonopin and I would be in meetings at work in my previous career. And I was, he, what he just, what he prescribed me, it was just too much. And I would be, I would be falling asleep in the middle of the day, like crying so hard to keep my eyes open. And I'm like, doc, this is not for me. This is not for me. This is not what I should be taking at all. 
and uh, you go through those things, right? And then yeah. there's other things that you go through, like the weight gain, and then there's stomach issues, and there's the fatigue. There's all those things, and it's a really – it's a yeah. battle, man. It's a journey. But when you get to the end of that and you actually find what really works and, – and for you, you said you were – you've been on the same thing since 18 to now 25 or 24? Yes, seven years, yeah. Look at that. Cool. Five. So, I mean, yeah. same – Kind of the same thing for me. I went through all that. So, I mean, I've been through Wellbutrin. Um, oh man, just a number of things. All the benzos you could put: Xanax, Klonopin, Lorazepam, all that. Um, but it wasn't until Zoloft kind of interested in, introduced yeah. in, into my life to where it really balanced me out. And and Zoloft is one of those drugs that's like it's not even really mainly an antidepressant it's 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 in that family but it's really yeah. focused on anxiety yeah and but it does have a lot of bad like kind of um side effects like i mean i when i took when i took uh zola for a while and i and i take the max amount that you can yeah um and 200 milligrams a day uh and, and, and it's not really explainable and what i want people to understand is it's only temporary but when, when I started taking it, you know, the stomach issues happened, uh, my gastroinflux that I already have sort of like flamed. Yeah. And then um, outside of that, uh, I don't know. And, and, and I ask my doctor about it all the time. And here's the answer that I get. I don't know. We don't know if, if that medication in certain people makes you so happy and fixes you so well that all you want to do is just have a good time and eat everything in your in, in sight <laughs> or you it gives you an an enhanced appetite so like no lies like i gained like 40 pounds when i started doing that stuff but i just had a conversation with the doctor and like, like what can we do about this and we figured it out and now everything's yeah. really balanced and you know would you notice a change in your own self because you're your own self every single day um i'm in the best position and i'm the happiest i've ever been in my entire life so yeah my point being is you went through hell, but you've been on the same track with the same medication since 18 to now uh, your, your current age. And that's a long time. And yeah. people are scared to say, I don't want to take this for the rest of your life or the rest of my life. But it's like you can and be OK with it. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's OK. It's OK to take this stuff and live your life and be happy. And it's it's opened up so many doors in my life committed committed to 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 mental health and my brain and all that kind of stuff that everything I went through is just a scar that's on like you know it's a, it's a scar on my back or something like that that I'm proud of you know I'm I'm very tattooed right I have tattoos all over the place and people ask me about it all the time and yeah it's one of the most annoying questions in a grocery store when someone <laughs> likes to just walk when up you to you and grab your arm Brand right, yeah. I was beating the chicken today, right? And beating it up, and somebody grabbed my arm, right? No, but but it happens. They grab my arm, like it's like it's like it's not a, a someone's human yeah. arm, and you're in my and you're in my bubble, and they're just like, wow. Let me it, like like you want to just peel my tattoos off, like okay, listen, they're permanent. Like, don't touch me, please, don't touch me. You're freaking me out. I'm about to fucking freak out. Um, but they, you know, they want to see this stuff, but now it's like. Um, shit, I don't even know where I was going with this, but I would have freaked out then, but now I'm just like, I don't freak out, you know? And, uh, uh, it's just so much easier to live in, 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 in my own skin now. 
and yeah. and, uh, and people think that they look at me and they're like, oh, hey, look at that guy tattooed. He, he totally smokes weed. He totally does drugs. He's totally this. He's totally that. But they don't know that I have my shit together and I'm happy. And it's just an expression. But anytime this is where I was going, anytime I look at the tattoos and, and I have like a shit ton of them. But anytime I look at them, I know exactly what state of mind and what point of life I was at at that very moment of time. So it's more of a body journal to me. Um, and I can look at the tattoos that I've had since then and know that I was happier then. And at that moment when I got that tattoo, than I was when I got the one that's like right next to it. So it's almost like a, it's almost like a, an artsy reward, if you will, man, part of my body journal, my body journal that is, uh, it tells such a positive story, um, but the but the the ladies in the grocery store that want to grab your arm and rip tattoos off and just see what what it's like, they don't understand that, you know. And you can't you can't sit someone down and and tell them like, yeah, I'm into tattoos, but this is why, you know. They'll never yeah. get that. Um, so anyway, I digress a bit, but but you know that's medic medication is fine. My, my point is, man, it's just like don't be scared of it. Go through it stick to it, commit to it. And, and it could, it could seriously change your life. And, and if it doesn't, it doesn't, man, it's not for everybody. So neither is, and I I want to hop, I want to hop in here and, and, and just mention just because Zoloft worked for you guys, it may not work for someone else. Uh, You know, don't be afraid. And I know the, the process can be exhausting. Right. Yeah. The, the process. Sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say the, the process is exhausting, but, but the same thing doesn't work for everybody. So if you're on something that isn't working, don't get discouraged. You know, just talk to your doctor. That's my and, point. That's yeah. my point. No, no matter what, because I'm, I, you, anyone else on this show, right? We're not, well, like, well, may not hurt, but uh, we're not the people to say, this is what you should take. This is your solution. This is, this is what we recommend. We're not recommending shit. We're not experts. But what I'm saying is, if, if an expert does suggest something, give it an honest shot and, and, and see it through no matter what, the, what, what, but if the side effects become so like, for instance, I got put on some blood pressure medication in the very beginning when I guess that was my, my, uh, blood pressure was a little high and they missed, they, they gave me a drug that didn't help me. It actually hurt me. It actually took my my blood pressure and raised it to where I was like driving to work in the morning and I was gripping my steering wheel so hard and I was taking turns and just like going as fast as I can. I was full of rage and I just had to not go to work and had to go to the doctor. And they're like, oh, we got you on the wrong shit, son. I'm like, oh, you think? Because I was like, I was, it was like roid rage while I was driving or something. Um, so things of that nature. Yeah, you t- just just be open with your with your doctor. Yeah. And that's it's even so important. Mm-hmm. So important to have a good relationship with your doctor. Even, well, it doesn't necessarily even have has to be a good relationship. Just to keep them update in how that medication is working for you, and if it's working for you, and if you've noticed any symptoms, even if it seems like nothing, it's so important to just let them know because they'll know whether that's the sign of something and. As you said as well, one thing won't work for everybody. So I would could praise Zoloft to the high heaven, but I've had a friend who was prescribed it, and the minute she took it, she was just throwing up everywhere, and they took her right. straight off. It. 
So right. it's again, it's just person dependent, but yep. you have to be able to speak to your doctor about that because it is a process and it is a bit of trial and error. So that communication is so key. You need to be on the same page, if that makes sense. And Absolutely. sometimes people are just like, they're not wanting to speak to their doctors because they feel people have this thing about going to the doctors. Some people do. They're just like, a I don't lot like of people do. Doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, and for this kind of a process, you need to be open because they're the expert in that and they're going to know. And it's your brain chemistry at the end of the day. You know, you need to be able to monitor that and make sure you're on the right dose or or it's just really important, I guess. Yeah. And I just. No, I I, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, I just wanted to make sure to, to mention because. You know, Brandon and I have made it abundantly clear over the history of this podcast that we are far from medical professionals. And, you know, when you start talking about specific medications, you know, I don't want someone to mistake, you know, your experience from, you know, uh, an actual medical opinion. Does that make sense? Or advice or advice or right. So, yeah, that's just our experience yeah i didn't i didn't want to i didn't intentionally mean to hop in there but i just wanted to make sure before you guys went any further that no, you know, definitely. yeah because I, I don't want somebody to get the wrong idea so no man it's all good and that's a good point just don't i don't i just i'll take i'll take your advice there and i'll take i'll take your point but just don't give me your chicken <laughs> <laughs> just wait until i see i'm gonna be throwing chicken wings at you <laughs> You fucker. Anyways, um, but yeah, you know, Conti, I feel like we could sit here and talk for hours uh, and you've been so gracious with your time. Um, You know, it's good to see that that things have turned around for you and, you know, you're you're living that dream that you want to do and and you're you fulfilled that that promise to yourself of of overcoming those struggles. And and I admire that so much. And, you know, congratulations to you on on rebounding the way you have. And, you know, if anybody wants to find you on social media, you know, how do they find you? So I am at the self-help coach on Instagram. There you go. Make make sure to follow her. And, you know, uh, it's been an awesome 90 minutes. And we like, and we are so grateful for your time and, you know, anything at all that we can do to help you get, you know, your message out there, feel free to, to touch base and, and use us for that. Thank you. And vice versa. I appreciate that. Guys, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, maintain, stay strong. Hopefully this pandemic thing shapes up at some point or another and uh, things start getting back to you know, whatever normal is going to be. And, uh, you know, whatever normal is for you, just stay sane and, and, and stay strong and uh, guys, until next week, he's Brandon Thompson. My name is Jerry P. Tuck, and don't forget to hashtag get it out. This is an MJ Morning Show podcast quick fix on Radio Influence. We started this podcast. The first episode was October 23rd of last year. We were doing it just bi-weekly. At first, we did a reunion podcast. Response was great. Then we did bi-weekly every two weeks. And then, uh, what, around January 1st of 2020, before 2020 went into the shitter. By the way, I can say shitter now on the podcast. I'm not going to be able to say that on Q105. Although, listen, right. we're, we're family friendly. We don't curse much anyway. It's, it's not what we do. But remember, we went to weekly in early January. And that was, uh, what, a, a 
about a month before COVID went nuts over in China, then started to infect the rest of the world. And, of course, you know, we went to hell in a handbasket here in the U.S. in, what, early March, mid-March? That's when things like started. St. Patrick's Day was like ground zero for uh, coronavirus. Jeez. Oh, anyway, uh, folks, so our podcast is now going to transform to five days a week, the MJ Morning Show, 6 to 10 a.m., on Q105 in Tampa, and of course, Q105 is 104.7 FM. So remember, do I need to tell, everyone knows that Q105 is 104.7 FM, but just for those that don't know, Q105 is 104.7 FM. We have a tentative start date for Monday, October 5th. Joining us, the the balancing, leveling female voice to keep our butts in line is going to be Roxanne Wilder, who is already at Q105, and I just think she's tremendous, and it's going to be awesome to have her. I've spoken to her, I've met her, and she is going to be an awesome compliment. The MJ Morning Show with MJ, Froggy, Fester, and Roxanne Wilder, and that's going to debut tentatively, uh, looks like, October 5th. The MJ Morning Show podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, mjmorningshow.com, and radioinfluence.com.